I'm glad you're here. Here's what I want you to do. Um, we're not going to have a formal time of greeting because it's a COVID time, but if you could just look at somebody around you uh, and just tell them you're glad they're here. Can you just look around and tell somebody, not somebody you came with, somebody else. I'm pretty encouraged that you are here. Whenever, okay, all right. The good news is we're, <laughs> we're going to have time afterwards. We have snacks out there on your way out so that you can grab them and hang out right outside. Uh, please uh, take time outside um, when we're done to do that. Right now we're going to take some time to look into the Word. Uh, we would like the Word of God to uh, be the foundation of ha- of us growing together uh, and gathering together. And so when you get in your reset groups, if you haven't signed up for one, we, we're, we're going to have a lot of uh, great reset groups. And it is going to be a time to grow in relationship with Christ and with one another, uh, getting to know one another um, and living life together. Uh, but the baseline of the first one of the month is going to come from our reset gatherings. So there is a familiarity there, uh, and the, the facilitators of each group are going to be uh, equipped in that. It's It's we, on paper, it looks pretty good. We're pretty excited. But really what's going to make it great is you just opening your heart to uh, the Holy Spirit and community and the gospel, allowing him to work in you and through you. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody wants a reset every now and then. Uh, probably the greatest example of that uh, is my, in my life is this, my friend Adam. And you remember when you got your driver's license, how nervous you were when you took the driver's test? Maybe it's more fresh for me because I've got uh, little ones that have done that. Um, I got another one who is ready to do it. But if you remember when you were 15 years old or however you, old you needed to be in your state, my friend Adam was so nervous. And uh, he got in the car, the, the, the policeman got in the car beside him. He had his clipboard and his pen. He just looked ready to write down the mistakes, right? This performance-driven world that we live in, if you have enough mistakes, then uh, you're not going to get your goal. You're not going to have that identity, uh, ID card, driver's license. So Adam, uh, officer says, you ready, son? He says, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, He goes, go ahead. And he said, first thing you need to do is pull out of the parking lot. So my friend Adam put the car in gear. He looked over his shoulder, feeling nervous and confident at the same time. What Adam didn't realize was that rather than putting the car in verse, he had it in drive. And so he was sitting right beside this police officer, looking over his shoulder, pushed the gas, and drove forward uh, to the car that was parked in front of him. He uh, took a minute to take his foot off the gas and put it on the brake and put it in park, and the cop was very anxious. And my friend Adam tells the story this way. He said he just looked over at Officer Buttram, that was his name, Buttram, and he said, he said, Officer, and the guy just looked at him just dead face. He goes, can I start over? (laughs) Can I start over? Reset. We want that reset. And maybe you can't identify with it uh, on a driver license level, but I know you can identify with it personally. I know you've had moments in your life where you've just said, can I start over? Maybe it was uh, a commitment that you made that you crumbled on quickly. Maybe it was a desire or goal that you had for yourself that you didn't come close to accomplishing. Maybe it was a date that you went on that went south, maybe even before it started or in the middle of it to make it more awkward. Can I start over? You know it personally. Maybe it was starting a new job. Maybe it was moving to a new place, starting a new semester. Or you know it socially. You know it in your life 
collectively, whether you acknowledge it personally or socially or not. Because we live in a world right now that's waiting for a reset. A reset comes with a breakthrough. And our world is waiting for a breakthrough with a COVID-19 vaccine so that we can reset our lives. Interestingly, a lot of people all just want things to get back to normal. Here's what happens when you reset. There's a new normal. Things don't get back to normal. There can be a better. In a right breakthrough, in the right reset, will redeem, restore, and make things better. You want to reset. And when the COVID-19 vaccine comes, it will bring a level of health and optimism and social transformation that we have not seen in our lifetime. And I want you to watch hope rise when that comes. It's not here yet. Right now we're in this moment about three in the morning where everybody's tired and you just want to see dawn coming, right? That's where we are societally. What we're going to talk about tonight, looking at Luke chapter 15, is a reset that is actually more potent and more powerful, that is more catalytic than a COVID-19 vaccine will be for our country and the countries of the world. We're going to talk about the power of the bra- of a breakthrough that gives you the ultimate redo, right? The ultimate, can I start over? The ultimate explosion into a new reality, a new normal that is beneficial. And I'm going to say also beautiful. This is the gospel opportunity of a reset that we have. And you are going to be surprised at how you access this and the opportunity that's before you. Let's read together Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24. It's printed behind me. I'm going to read from the Bible. And he said, this is Jesus telling a parable. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And the son rose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father said, saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive. He is lost, and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Let's pray together real quick. Father, we thank you for 
of the reality of a redemptive reset. And we have lots of distractions in our lives. And I ask right now for those of us here in Westminster Hall and those of us who are joining virtually, that you would eliminate distractions and that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word. Lord, we long to not just be inspired, but truly transformed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at these in your reset groups later, you will talk about uh, the different aspects of this passage, one of which would be the context of this passage. These series of parables that Jesus is telling, uh, emphasizing the unconditional, passionate love of God for his people. He is a God who seeks the lost, seeks coins, treasures that belong to him. He is a shepherd that seeks lost sheep. He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And in this passage, we see the power of the revelation of the love of the Father who offers us a reset that is really beyond human understanding. And I I just hope If you've heard this before and you think it's old hat, okay, parable of the prodigal son, blah, 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 I saw snacks in here, I just want to get them later, we'll get there. But I pray that you would drop your arrogant familiarity and open your heart to what the Spirit wants to teach you about the radical reset love of God. The youngest son... He wanted a reset, just like you do in society, just like you have in your life. And here's where he thought he could find the reset. He went to his dad and he said, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance. (laughs) Now, that's not something that I would welcome if my kid said that to me. Hey, Dad, I want my share of the inheritance, mainly because it'd be embarrassing to me. You want two of the $4 that you're going to get? You know, now I got to split it with your brother. You want both of them now or do you want me to invest one of them, right? But the essence of the request is, hey, Dad, you are just a means to an end for me. And that end is wealth so that I can go somewhere else and start over to reset, to begin again, to break through to a new reality. Have you been there before? Have you thought that if you can just go to a new place or a new friend group or a new team or or, or a new work situation, that that would change everything as if changing locations would actually address the issues of your heart? I've believed that. And I still wrestle with that. But that's what this son believed. In his dad, rather than shaming his son or defending himself, he gives his son the money. Can you believe that? He gave him his inheritance. What an insult to a father. I wish you were dead. Give me my money. The son takes it, and the passage says that he thought he'd find a reset in a new place, a new country, with new people and new friends. And he had friends. Anybody that has means, has resources, and knows how to party, they're going to have friends. You can buy friends. You want people to like you? Buy them things. Take them places. Celebrate with them. They're going to love you, but when those things come to an end, see who's really your friend and what kind of reset you had. The younger son uh, went off because he was hungry. He was hungry for a new beginning. He was hungry for a sense of significance. He was hungry for status. And you know what he found? Emptiness. 
Now, I don't know how you deal with your hungers. I deal with them in, in a way that may or may not be healthy at times. <laughs> we can talk about that later, right? But have you ever dealt with your hunger where you know a meal's coming, and you know the meal's going to be good, and you know the meal's going to last you, but you find that you just nibble and graze, and then when the meal comes, you're not really hungry anymore? So you don't really eat anything of substance, the meat you bought and you grilled from Viatrix. <laughs> and then, and then a, a little bit later, you're hungry again, right? That's what happens. I was talking to someone just yesterday about decisions that are being made and how that is an accurate illustration. It actually came from the other person. Endless nibbling. <laughs> My boys do it all the time. Last time I went to the grocery store, we got their favorite H-E-B jalapeno kettle corn chips. You know how long they lasted? Less than an hour and a half, a whole bag. <laughs> Unbelievable how much teenage boys can eat. It's like turning on a vacuum with food. It's gone. At dinner time, they're like, oh, we're really not that hungry. At 8.30, they're like, I'm starving. What do we have to eat? I don't know. It's this little thing we call dinner. If you try to satisfy yourself off of things like cotton candy or sweets or snacks or pretzels all the time and you come to a meal of substance, you're not going to be full. But here's the thing. Even if you do eat things of substance, you will get hungry later. You cannot be satisfied by eating the food of our world, at least not real long. And that's exactly what happened to this young man who wanted a reset through changing circumstances, through using his dad's money for his own status, significance, celebration, and partying. And you know what's crazy? When you really look at a passage, you're able to find different themes. And you observe a text, and different themes stand out to different people. That's why it's a privilege and a joy to actually study Scripture in a community together. For me, when I looked at this passage, you know what stood out to me? Hunger. Hunger. If you look down in the passage, you see in verse 14, it says that he began to be in need. All of his friends that he thought he had, the new social life that he thought he had, it all fled from him. He began to be in need, and hunger begins to reveal itself as a theme. It says in verse 16, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but nobody gave him anything. Isn't that ironic? When you've got stuff, people want to be your friend and hang out with you. But when no one gives, when you don't have any, no one's giving him anything, and he's hungry. Have you been there before? Hunger. And then in verse seventeen, it describes it point blank. He came to himself. He said, "How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, and I perish here with hunger?" He was hungry for a new life. He was hungry for a reset, and he found himself starving. Have you been there? If I just had this amount of money, if I just had this job, if I just had this pleasure, if I just had this, and we hunger, 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 and we find ourselves empty after we experience it more than before. It begs the question for this young man and for ourselves, what are you really hungry for? What is the hunger behind the hunger in your life? The things that you cope with your life with, the decisions that you think are going to satisfy, what are the hungers behind those? And I'm going to guarantee something to you, that you will find satisfaction not in the food of our culture or in the fun of our lives. Those are important, but in the Father and His love for you. 
And you will understand that when you experience a reset moment. And I am fascinated by what happens to this guy. You see, we live in a culture where when we want to reset, then we achieve more, we work more, we perform more, we earn our way to this place to reset, into the starting lineup of life so that we can actually get some uh, influence. But true reset moments that are redemptive and restorative and renewing, they don't start with your performance. They start with your need. Look what it says in verse 17, this internal first step that he takes. It says, he came to himself. He came to his senses. Your first step in a real reset moment is being honest with your need. You've gone to a far-off country. You've rejected the Father's love. You've tried to find satisfaction, significance, fullness from the things of this world, and it's left you empty. The second step, this is crazy, to a reset moment, this inward awakening, you know what the second step is? You don't step forward. You know where you step? Backwards. Step backwards. You're so concerned with the next step in life, the next thing you have to do, the next strategic plan, the the next position that you can have, the next stage, the next phase. We get so obsessed with that. But reset moments are inward first, and you step back to what? The unconditional love of the Father. That is where the young man had to go. Not to himself, not to try harder or to look better. He had to go back to the Father. And then you have internal reality, you step backward first, and then you have this upward identity. You go back to the Father and you find this identity that cannot be shaken. You heard Jake talk about it. The son, he tells himself, I'm going to tell my father that I'm sorry. I'm going to go through all the right words. Have you done this? I'm going to learn all the right things to say. Tell my dad what he wants to hear so maybe he'll take me back. Maybe he'll welcome me again. And he practices his speech. He rehearses it when he's had this inward awakening coming to his senses, taking the step back to the father's love. And he goes back and he begins to say to his dad, his dad who had run to him, he begins to say to his dad, his dad who had been looking for him, he begins to say to his dad, his dad who was empty without his son in his life and didn't ask questions, dad, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you. I shouldn't have done this. And the father never acknowledges it in the passage and in the story. The father never says, son, I forgive you. Son, I hear you. This is crazy to me. I'm a dad, and you have a dad? Think about your dad being like this. The greatest offense that you could give him, that while you're apologizing, he ignores you. And you're entitled to that apology. You messed up, and you've got a right to say to your dad, I'm sorry. Or do you? Or is that just a work that you have because you think you have to earn the Father's love? God doesn't even need your sorry. He needs your return. The sorry comes 
when you experience the kindness of the Lord, that's what leads us to true repentance. The unconditional love of the Father, when you go back and the Son says, I want to be one of your servants, and he doesn't acknowledge it. He says, you are my son. You are my son. Take the robe. You are my son. Take the ring. You are my son. Go get a fatted calf. You are my child. Reset. Inward depth. I need. Backward step. I return. Upward identity. You are his child. That's a reset, friends. That's a new beginning. And that's the language of this series of parables and specifically the end of this passage. For the son, says the father, he was lost and now he is found, repeated twice for emphasis. Sometimes I put that on the wrong syllable. He was lost and is found. And then it's this resurrection theme. This is what I'm saying. It is a health cure beyond a COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, we're going to be able to like, hey, we don't have to social distance anymore. We may or may not have to worry about COVID because I got a shot in my arm. This is awesome. Well, that's like JV baseball with Jake who played on the World Series Texas team. They're not even the same ballpark. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you're on the field, guys. You got a vaccine. How about this, says the love of the Father. You were dead, and I'll make you alive. You were a corpse. I'll make you dance and celebrate. How? What do I need to earn it? Nothing. Just reset on my love. I love you not because of what you've done, not because of what you haven't done. I love you because you're my child. And the reset moment comes when you know you need that love. And you don't take the step forward to try to impress, I'm going to get things in order. But you take that step back and you return to the Father's love. You drop your speech. You drop your religion. You drop, drop your, your, your spiritual disciplines. And you just allow the love of the Father to overwhelm you, to wash over you. And then that new identity comes. A reset moment. For you personally, how do you experience this? Well, here's the thing. You got to focus on not your performance. We got two more minutes, three more minutes. I want to put a, a Lamentations 3 up here because anytime we want to really interpret Scripture, we really want to use Scripture to do so. How do I understand Jesus telling a parable that teaches me about the Father's love in such a radical way? I use other Scripture to help me understand it. Romans 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No height or depth. Uh, Galatians 4. By the Spirit of God, we cry, Abba, Father. We are His child. Uh, Ephesians 3. That there is an incomprehensible reality to the love of God for you. But my, you know, experiential scientific question, I want to know, how is this possible? And I go to a place like Lamentations 3, where Scripture lets me know, that the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. What about when I fail? It never ceases. What about when I make a mistake? It never ceases. What about when I tell you, God, I wish you were dead? It never ceases. What about when I'm coping with my anxiety in unhealthy ways? It never ceases. What about the decision I made in, in college? It never ceases. What about the way that I've been using the resources you've given me? It never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Can he forgive me now? Yes, his mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. 
Great is his faithfulness. And great is such a small word here. Great is his faithfulness. They're new every morning. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. What does that mean? You're only going to find satisfaction in him. Only. You want your hungers to be satisfied? Quit nibbling at the table of this world and feast on the faithfulness of your father. You will hope in him. And there's one last verse up there uh, that isn't there. I, I didn't send it in. Um, ah, see that last verse? It's good for someone to bear that yoke in their youth. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. And there's a lot more there. But for me, in this passage, personally, a reset moment, I reset every day, every morning, personally. I have to preach the gospel to myself. I begin every day receiving the Father's love. I begin every day, and I take time during the day if I find myself really struggling in believing the gospel. Personally, corporately, how do you experience the Father's love? How do you reset? You know you need one another. You can't do it on your own. You can't. We have to experience the Father's love as a family. And, and that's why Jake's testimony is so important. And I'll say this just from as a friend of Jake. Like, watching God work in his life and him being my friend, he's sharpened me. We sharpen one another. That's what community does. And I need friends to remind me, brothers and sisters to remind me that God's love isn't like the love of people in my life or people from my past or even my earthly father. God's love is steadfast, never failing, never ceasing. His mercy is new every morning. And that's why we implore you to get into a group, to get into a reset group. And we want to give you an invitation as we wind down. I just want to, I want to challenge you, no matter where you are right now, to reset. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. You're already social distance. And I want to ask you, close your eyes. I want to ask you to be open to Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you the depth of your need. Holy Spirit, help me see where I need to come to my senses. To come to my senses and my rebellion and my running. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength to step back. To step back to the Father's love. To step back to the unconditional, steadfast love of the Lord that's new every morning. It never ceases. And ask the Holy Spirit to secure your identity as a child of God. The Bible is clear again and again. It's the Holy Spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father. And anybody can reset and return and break through to a new reality. That's what this year is going to be about. That's what our community is going to be about. And if you're interested in finding reset gospel moment, I just want to encourage you to stand up right now and sing with us. Will you stand and sing?